Hi, this is Rachel and Peyton with Girls Gone Right. Welcome to season two of our podcast where we talk about everything from culture and lifestyle to faith and politics. We'll be dropping hot takes and spicy content proving that conservative women can be both fun and informed. Subscribe and follow to see the latest. Hi, this is Peyton with Girls Gone Right. And this is Rachel. I'm the co-host and I'm introducing Trey Valley, who is a famous TikToker content creator. And um, here you go. So Trey, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do? Man, famous. I don't like that word. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no. So I go by Trey Valley uh, for almost a year now, which is kind of crazy. I've just been making little videos, kind of talking about my life, some of the mistakes that I made in my past in regards to uh, forsaking my masculinity and and just mistakes in dating and things like that. I've been making videos talking about that. Um, And for some reason, people seem to really like them and get some value out of them. So I've just kept on doing it. And uh, yeah, here I am today, almost a year later, and and just overwhelmed by the amount of people that have reached out saying that they've been encouraged or, or edified by what I put out there. So that's why I continue to do it. That's incredible. Yeah. So Trey, what made you want to start, you know, getting out there, sharing your view, and putting it all out there on social media? Yeah, uh, you want the long version or the short version? Because we could we could make this an all night thing. Um, <laughs> Basically, it was right after I'd found the Lord. Um, I had come from complete rock bottom, which is where most of us tend to find God. And uh, I found myself working this night shift job at a church. um, And that's where I really got to know him. I was pretty much alone. It was a security type job. And so I would check in with people every hour. But uh, between those little gaps, I wasn't really doing a whole lot. So I would just sit in the sanctuary and pray and worship and had a lot of time to myself. And Lo and behold, I started to get these little nuggets, um, just kind of lessons that I had learned, things that I was able to reflect on and and put them in this little journal and didn't really think about it. Well, a year later, I picked that journal back up. And for some reason, I just felt really convicted to put those things out there. And I had a background in, in videography. I'd been doing videography since I was 15 years old. And so I was like, you know what, let me make a few short little videos talking about this stuff. Never expected anybody to watch it. I was honestly just really bored and I can't be bored. I'm that type of person where I have to just have something to do creatively. Um, So I started cranking these things out. And uh, to my surprise, guys started just commenting things like, hey, how do I deal with addiction? How do I deal with a breakup? Like I just got cheated on. Can you talk about these things? Uh, So I just kept responding and, and, you know, lo and behold, some things kind of took off and caught a lot of flack from uh, some people kind of on the left side of the political aisle, which was a lot of fun. (laughs) And uh, that kind of just sort of snowballed into what I'm doing right now, which I'm just enjoying the heck out of. I I couldn't be happier. Yeah, I think when you start putting really relatable content out there, it's kind of just a natural byproduct that people would relate to it. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, talking about real issues, you know, you nobody lives a perfect life when you go through and you kind of talk about the things that matter and bring them to the surface. I think you kind of draw in your audience emotionally and that kind of ties them in together forever. So you yeah. seem to have a very loyal base, which I think is admirable. And I think it's awesome that you talk about all of these things because they're definitely on everyone's mind. Yeah, um, you definitely pulled me in. You had a post. This is the one that I shared to Rachel and like how we discovered you. It was talking about red flags when dating. And I think like the premises of it was basically 
a man is going to take things slow with a woman and just like i guess like you know the how a relationship develops and like respecting a woman uh tell us about this like because i i can't remember now i'm like forgetting exactly what it was but like when i saw it i was like wow that is like so interesting especially to hear from a man's perspective because i mean me and rachel talk all day about these kinds of things and, like dating but like when you hear it from a man you get a whole other perspective right yeah and uh i mean i've put out a lot of kind of green and red flag videos and everything like that so i'm not sure exactly which one you're referring to but um honestly like when i put those things out uh, especially when I'm analyzing red flags, I just kind of analyze who I was in the past before meeting Christ. And I was like, okay, that was a red flag that, oh, I didn't like that I did that. And that's kind of what I paced up there is like, okay, don't go for this. Cause I know who mm -hmm. I was. I don't know what everybody else was dealing with or what everybody else is going through, but I know who I used to be. And I'm trying to help young women avoid that. And I'm trying to help young men not become that. So um, when I put out kind of like Christian dating rules or green and red flags, I'm really just looking at my past and telling people to do the opposite of what I did. So that's really where it comes from. But honestly, I think that the the most telling one for me, the one that I wish that I would have taken into account a lot earlier in my life was um, the red flag that if they transgress with you, they'll transgress against you. Um, and that's what I see, mm. like, especially a lot of younger people completely disregarding because, you know, you'll have their their they're lying to their family to like meet up with you or whatever the case may be. And then you just assume like, oh, they'll, they'll never lie to me. Um, so I think that that one, right. um, I got a lot of kind of guys reaching out saying, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize, you know, so, um, but yeah, I, I really enjoy making those types of videos. I never would have thought that I'd be like the Christian dating guy because, I mean, I'm saying I'm not married and I've done nothing but mess up in relationships in the past uh, and then stayed single. Um, but, yeah, I guess God can work through however he wants to, however he wants to do it. Peyton yeah. and I talk about dating all the time and we're also still single. So, you know, hey, it is what it is. Um, yeah. I guess live and you learn. Um, but it's really incredible that you talked about if they transgress with you, they'll transgress against you. I think that's a really impactful comment i don't think that that's the video that we watched but i do really enjoy what what you said there um so i guess this kind of brings us into the next one like what are some red flags that from a guy's perspective when you're dating a girl what are some red flags that you would kind of maybe gravitate away from and then what are some green flags so you can kind of counter them if you want the number one red flag that i immediately run run from is gossip um, if a woman is willing to tear down people that she claims to love behind their backs, mm -hmm. uh, and you think that she's never going to do that to you, to her friends, and uh, like that's just kind of idiocy to me. And then, kind of the opposite of that would be a massive green flag is when she honors people behind their backs. Um, when you know her parents aren't around or her friends aren't around, and and she just goes on and on about how great they are and how thankful she is that that mm -hmm. they're in her life and everything like that. Like that just shows a lot about her character that she doesn't have to honor others when they're not around, but she does. That's a big sign of integrity, and I'd say that's the the second red flag would be someone who is disintegrated, someone who is one way around certain groups of people, 
and a completely different person around other groups of people. And, and I've personally seen this a lot with girls in their friend groups versus girls in their families. Um, you know, the conversations at the dinner table were not the conversations going on in those girls only group chats. Like that's the, the biggest thing to me, somebody that's disintegrated, you can't even necessarily get to know them because they're not one whole person. Um, they're right. trying to figure out what person to be within what context and what environment. And so you really, there's no solid foundation to even build a relationship with that person because they're not one whole person. And so I would take a fully integrated, messed up person over a disintegrated person that is loved in every environment and context within their lives and just keeps up the facade because you don't necessarily know who they really are. Um, so I would say that's like the yeah. big foundational green and red flag. If they are the same person everywhere they go, you can at least evaluate and accept their flaws along with the good parts. But if you don't necessarily know who you're dealing with, you can't even begin to do that. Yeah, Trey, it's really interesting that you said the whole gossip thing. And it's so true because, I mean, I will admit I was toxic back in my day like I just didn't I, I don't know if it was toxic or that I was just young and dumb and wasn't sure how to date or like how to have a healthy relationship it was like you know one of my first relationships um so I made some mistakes and I think it's so true about the gossiping thing and it's a red flag that no one I haven't really heard anyone discuss because it's so common that like people take screenshots and like that's how gossip starts it's like you know you just you you see girls like talking about this and it's so normal yeah and it's like so normalized but I've never heard someone be like well this is a red flag because they will do it behind your back and that's true because I can say as a girl who had a toxic relationship like if I'm gossiping to my boyfriend about all my friends and saying bad things about them behind their back like I was for sure doing it to him when he turned on mean did something bad I did that to my friends um so like you live and you learn you make mistakes in relationships and I think that helps you grow as a person too but I definitely agree with that and I think it's interesting because I just no one has like come out and said that because it is really normalized yeah it's just tea now it's not even gossip anymore yeah they call it tea <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh that's so true one thing that I actually have talked about in like my past relationships is something that I'm always very key to mention and these are, you know, more mature relationships now as I've gotten older. Um, you know, something that I've always mentioned is, hey, by the way, um, just let's respect each other's privacy. Like there are things that are ours. There are things that are shared with friends, things like that. So I always make sure now, especially because I have learned that this is a concern, um, you have to be careful about what you're sharing with who because there are certain things that are for your relationship for your family and it's not to separate them it's just a respect of who that person is and there are certain things that you don't need to share not everything needs to be tea so <laughs> that's sort of where yeah. i am with with all of that but um as far as being one whole person i don't think you can have a successful relationship until you know who you are as a person absolutely um you have to put in the work and you have to do kind of live learn do the time put in the work get your priorities straight and what works for one person isn't going to work for the other person. It's It just kind of depends. So um, know, know what you want and be able to articulate that so that you can find somebody who wants the same things and can make that happen for you. So definitely. Well said, Rachel. Um, Trey, what are some masculine traits that society is currently lacking? And I know we oh, have man. lots. <laughs> so so the, list is, the list is long. I see. You're trying to get me on a soapbox. All right. Um, <laughs> 
the biggest take the bait. Yeah. I, oh, I'm going to. Uh, the biggest would be accountability and personal responsibility, which is consequentially the the one that most people are talking about. Um, you know, when you hear guys like uh, Jordan Peterson is kind of like the main front man for advocating for masculinity. That is his main message is personal responsibility and accountability. Because if you get that down and then surround yourself with brothers that are going to hold you accountable, you can fix any behavior of your life or any character flaw. Um, but it's all built on the foundation of, hey, my life is is a culmination of the decisions that I make and what I right. choose to do, where I choose to go, who I choose to hang out with. Um, and then also I would say, again, integration, being fully integrous, having integrity. And that doesn't mean just always just telling the truth. Like, yes, of course. Um, but we all have these kind of internal codes of ethics, whether that's kind of based on the family that we grew up in or the faith that we adhere to. Um, we all have this code of conduct, our morals, our ethics, and being able to behave accordingly to that is not only going to make you an integrous man, but it's going to make you a secure man. I mean, the, the fastest way to be insecure is to do something that you know you disapprove of, that you despise, that you find disgusting. And if you spend your entire day doing things that you disapprove of, what are you going to do when you look in the mirror? You're going to disapprove of yourself. So the quickest, easiest way to gain security is to do things that you find admirable, do things that you find worthy of honor and respect. Um, so I would say to anybody trying to become more masculine or, or not lose kind of these core tenets of masculinity that are just slipping away in society um, is to write out your code of conduct, make it concrete, put it on paper. And that could be for a man or a woman because we all want to have integrity and we all want to be secure, right? Um, but this right. is where men can really shine and show their character is, okay, I know what you believe, but does your life line up with that? Um, the most masculine, strong, godly men in my life that I know, that is their hallmark. That is what sets them apart is they do not um, contain a conviction that they can't live up to um, mm. and, and, and they don't behave in ways that are despicable to them. So I would say that's the main stamp of, of a masculine man versus a non-masculine man is, is how integrous you are. Yeah, Trey, that is such a good take and it's really insightful. And I resonate with the personal responsibility thing because I completely think that men lack the feeling of being men because they're not serving like family. Oh, absolutely. They're not serving society. They, they lost their purpose. Like as a man, you are here to protect to, to have a family, um, to have responsibility. And when men don't have a purpose and they're not, they don't have a duty, they're not men. Like you take away a man's purpose and this is what you have is like toxic masculinity. And it's just created this huge issue and personal responsibility um, and purpose and a man that just like wanting to protect his family. And I just think that there's just like something about that, like where a man has this duty, it's changed our whole society. Trey, what you said about integrity is just so spot on because I can relate when I do something that I is not up to my moral standard, but I do it anyways because it's like the devil, it's temptation, and you do it just like for instant gratification or whatever it is, and then you're just like left with this guilt because it's just like not what you want to hold yourself to, and 
you're like to me at the end of the day i'm like god wants better for me and like i'm here to serve god and at the end of the day that wasn't serving my purpose and that's not what god wanted for me but i did it for myself and that's like a selfish act um and then you're just like left with not having integrity and that that's something that is just like it tears away at your confidence and when i see people like i guess i haven't really like connected that but when you said it and i just like see others or when i'm feeling like my least confident it's because like i'm full of shame yeah and i love what you said about um kind of selfless service and kind of basically how men's job description is being taken away from them a little bit like men will ask me how do i become a godly man or a man of god or anything like that and i say like the hardest decision i had to make and the one that every man has to make is that your life is not about you anymore any success that you gain in this life anything that you accomplish in this life anything that you do in this life is for the sake of others whether it be your family or whoever else you're trying to reach or simply to the glory of god right and we all bow to something all of us that's just inevitable um your life cannot be about you and men are also you you mentioned toxic masculinity men are being fed um this idea to utilize their masculine traits in order to for their own self-interest uh for greed for to fulfill their own lust or whatever the case may be i mean and you know we all know the the main faces of that idea um but what's important to realize is that masculinity is really just agency it's, it's gaining an ability to do something. A, a masculine man has the ability to act in, in certain situations that a non-masculine man wouldn't have the ability to act in. And so um, what you choose to do with that is really based on something a little bit more, um, a little bit deeper inside of you, which is like your value system. It's your code of ethics, your personal code of conduct. That's what you really act out of. And as men, most of us get that from our fathers. And so when you see the fatherlessness crisis, you're going to see a lot more behaviors that are kind of labeled as toxic masculinity. Um, and, you know, maybe it's not necessarily the masculinity itself. Maybe it's just a, a lacking in our, our value system, because I promise you, if you give those same sets of men a good value system and ethics and morals and a personal code of conduct, they're going to do a lot of good for the world because they have all the ability, ability and the agency. They're just aiming it in the wrong direction. You know, so that right. is a huge problem that I see with with men uh, in America is they're either being told to have no agency or ability whatsoever and completely disarm themselves of everything that makes them men or to use every facility that they have within themselves for their own personal self-interest and to forsake selfless service altogether. And neither of those options are necessarily wholesome or beneficial for anybody. So it's a mess right now. No, it is a mess and kind of what you said too to counter on the female side you know i think there's just this overall message for everyone where it's this push of self-love and that's all that we focus on we've kind of lost this ability to serve others or the interest to serve others so when you take that away from people and all your everything about your life is just revolving around you you are the center of your own universe you're not taking time to you know, assist your family or help out a friend or do something that absolutely benefits you, not at all, in the least. Um, you know, donate, go to church, have a, you know, volunteer somewhere in your community. When you do something that is not for yourself and you walk away from that, you feel so much more fulfilled than you ever did doing something just for yourself you know it's like i could go to the store and buy a bunch of stuff and that would fill you know fill me with happiness for maybe 
10 minutes, or I could go and kind of receive a life lasting experience because I served someone else. And I think that kind of ties back to this relationship thing. You know, relationships are based on service, service to each other. It's a commitment to have prioritize someone other than yourself and consider someone else's feelings and how they may need what they might need in that moment. Um, And so if you're unable to prioritize other people when you're not in a relationship, you definitely can't prioritize your significant other when you are in one because you haven't practiced that value system. You have no code of ethics or something that you hold yourself to regardless of your relationship status. And so sometimes I think that's sort of a huge issue. And then just masculine men in general, they are attractive. Um, women want someone who picks pick, pick the date spot. That's all I'm saying. Pick the date spot, make the decision, be decisive, you know? Um, And this kind of brings me into a different question for you. You know, we were talking about integrity, all these different things, but I mentioned, you know, dating. What is your thought on online dating and dating apps in general? What what do you think about this? I'm not I'm not a fan. I I hate it so much. I'll be honest. Um, (laughs) So my problem with with online dating and I get every excuse in the book when I talk about this from like, oh, there's no single girls in my church or this or that and the other. And I'm like, dude, figure it out, man. Like (laughs) there's plenty of wonderful women in the world to pick from. You can the finding the girl part is not the problem for us in our modern day society. It's we don't know how to be in a committed relationship. And part of the reason we don't is because of the culture that dating apps have created, which is a very consumer mindset of dating and of relationships. And like yeah. you mentioned, relationships are completely the opposite. It's giving. And and you can even see this. This is self-evident in the feelings of loneliness, right? When you're feeling lonely, uh, maybe you've been single for a while or whatever the case may be, right? I don't know. Uh, you're not feeling lonely because you're not receiving affection. You're feeling lonely because you have all of this love inside of you and nowhere to put it. You don't have anybody to serve. You don't have anybody to Mm -hmm. show affection to or to help or to hold through difficult times. That's what you're missing. Um, And so this whole consumer mindset around relationships and which inevitably leads to hookup culture. And I'm sure we'll get into that whole mess of things and and how it's of course, yeah, how it's messed up (laughs) the world. Um, But I I just think that a, a convenient method of finding somebody and I've said it before, if you can find love in the midst of comfort and ease and convenience, then it's probably not worth having. Part of what, yeah. Yeah, I I will say like, I mean, trust me, I've used dating apps, I'm guilty, I've done it just because, you oh, know, same. I I feel like I I'm work still a lot. On I'm like, them. Yeah, it's like, I just don't but... feel like I have the time or I'm in the places to meet these people, however, I will say my most meaningful relationships and like the, I guess the people that I've dated that like was a long relationship and committed, those people I all met in person. There wasn't one relationship from a dating app where I was like, you know what? I think this is the person I'm going to marry. All those people, like someone that I thought I was going to marry didn't meet on a dating app. My serious relationship in college, not a dating app. And like, just like, I don't know, my most meaningful relationships came from meeting someone in person. And the difference that I see is like, when I go on, I like go on a date with someone I meet on an app. I'm like, great. Like we have the same values. We matched. I checked out his profile. I kind of like know that we're like, you know, he's what I'm looking for and I might be what he's looking for. But then like you do go sit down and like, to me, a lot of the things that I see that's like 
off for me is it does feel like they are like it doesn't matter if it was like me or like someone else that just like kind of fit those things that he was looking for on my profile it was like the convenience and like they were just like you know what i want a girlfriend or like i want this now and like i want to have somebody but like you're here and i like some of the stuff that you answered on your profile or like you had a good prompt and like if it would have just been anyone else like you would be fine with them sitting across the table from you too it did just feel like a convenience thing which like i'm not saying i'm not guilty on my end too like i i will say that sometimes it is like the convenience of it um but i have never like i haven't really had met someone on a dating app that gave me a meaningful relationship and like that could just be like you could oh, yeah my no so to counter that my last meaningful relationship did start from a dating app so that yeah. actually worked out really well he was a great guy um, it just didn't work out for just a few different reasons. But the thing that I, the bigger issue that I have with dating apps and the reason that I'm so opposed to them is sort of what you said about the consumer culture. It's this idea that this guy might be good enough, but there could be someone better. And so you continue to swipe yeah. or there might be someone just kind of pulling from you know the group chat messages you know there might be someone cuter there might be someone more attractive might be someone who's funnier or checks off one more but um little list or someone taller you know whatever the case is um it's an interesting kind of consumer mindset where you're dating in theory multiple people at one time you have the option to date multiple people at one time which and you sort of curate this falsified version of what that person is in your head based on what is it five pictures i think maybe five pictures and a couple of prompts and you sort of have to gauge okay what is the aura of this person how does this person respond you know do they list that they're a christian and then you have to figure out okay are they do they actually go i'm catholic so bonus points for people who are um you know it's it's interesting but it's it's this in it's this the, thought in the back of your head of mm, there might be something better right. and i think that's the huge issue with dating apps but in general i mean i'd love to meet someone in person i'm just not entirely sure how to go about that um, yeah because so, perfect where question do you find for them? trey oh, trey where do you find potential suitors okay. i get this question <laughs> i call them i don't call them boyfriends i call them suitors so i'm like I that's a potential that. suitor. i always think of uh <laughs> oh man what's that george clooney movie where they like break out of prison or something and these two little girls are like he's a suitor i love that quote um so i get this question <laughs> a lot and and i try not to give like an outright answer um i just ask him like okay picture the kind of person that you want to be with what values do they have um, you know, what do they do? What do they like? And then think to yourself, where would that kind of person hang out and then go there? Um, for me, church, that's like, <laughs> I want a good Christian girl. Where do good Christian girls hang out? They hang out at church. So I'm going to hang out at church. Um, even more than that, like for somebody in the same boat, serve teams, because you, you go a, a level deeper, somebody that's not just interested in going to church and receiving, but like, Hey, I want to give to this. I see some good being done here and I want to be a part of it. Like, Okay, join a serve team, right? Um, volunteer, go like just do things, be out and about in the world. And and I always say, at least from the men's side of things, um, you know, there's the old fairy tale of of the prince saving the the princess or whatever, and but he always has to slay the dragon first. And usually, the princess yes. is right behind <laughs> the dragon. 
So wherever you find a dragon, that's a pretty good place to go to find your princess. Um, so from the guy's perspective, just, hey, look for a dragon to slay. Look for things to accomplish and do with your life. Look for a mountain to climb. And uh, in that process, not only are you going to find the right person, but you're going to become the right person, which is infinitely more important. Because if you can become the right person, yeah. those boxes that, that almost need to be checked become a little bit less important. You become a little bit less consumeristic in that process because you have confidence in right. your ability to walk through this life with somebody else. You have confidence in your ability mm -hmm. to serve someone else for the rest of your life and have fidelity towards only them. Um, so yeah, I, I would propose the, the possibility that maybe there's nothing worse than having absolutely every single last thing you want in a partner. Maybe there's nothing worse than having the right. perfect spouse. Um, because then where's the journey in that? Where's the growth in that? Um, so yeah, I know that that question had nothing to do with that, but you got me on a tangent and I followed it out through the end. So yeah, guys, find a dragon. We love slide. that. <laughs> love that. Yeah. And then the other takeaway that I heard was, you know, you attract what you are. So if you are not, you won't find, you know, I think if you have an unrealistic expectation or list of whatever you want in somebody and you're not willing to fulfill that list also, then lazy <laughs> you're not going to find it and nothing's ever going to work absolutely or when you find them they're not going to be attracted to you because they're where you should yes. be why would they why would they want to mess with you <laughs> exactly yeah. you could be it's... the red flag i tell that to people all the time i was like are you the red flag like are you the problem i think um, that like you truly attract what you are and it's so true when you Basically, like when you want, when you're looking for something, people are always like, oh, well, I'm looking at a guy for, that has this, this, and this. And I'm like, well, are you that? You want someone who's successful. You want someone that's driven. You want someone that is like excelling in their career and works hard, but are you doing that? And people will be like, well, no. And I'm like, well, then why would you get, like, how would you attract that? Like, you're just like, you're like putting your hands out and like asking for something so great, but then what do you like? putting out there in return no personal responsibility or integrity yes. yeah and it there comes down go. to that and i'm like what kind of games are we playing and like dating has just like the, the dating culture like this just gets me so passionate because i think it's just come to a place it's really sad because a relationship is such a beautiful thing and to me i'm like i want to find my person like i'm not settling like i want the person that i'm going to spend the rest of my life with and i think that just seeing these trends like the ick or like um just like people talking about horrible dating stories or like having a a main chick and they have main characters but they have like side characters too and like they're like i'm dating all these people and it's like all these tiktok dating trends and like swiping and like these uh people go on these dating challenges like how many dates can i get in a month and it's like taken away from the beauty of what a relationship is supposed to be like sharing your life with someone having someone know you better than anyone else and like I was in a long term relationship and the best thing about being in a relationship, like a committed relationship with someone is like they know you better than anyone else. And like you get to share this thing that like no one else gets to have. And it's like the most beautiful thing. But like when you see like it's like, OK, this is really beautiful. But then like culture is like, OK, this is we're going to make it disgusting yes. and throw up on it and do all these terrible things. And I'm like, actually, you guys are like ruining dating, like dating in a relationship is supposed to be incredible and it's supposed to be this amazing experience. And like it's just they've just taken it and like turned it into something so yeah. evil. I mean, if you look at the way that even our grandparents went about relationships versus the way that we do, um, 
I mean, they were getting married at what, 19, 20 years old. So that's like max. I mean, yeah. my grandparents got married at, well, I think, 16 or 17. So we don't have to talk about that. Um, but they grew up together and they grew into each other. And they, from the outset, before they even had a life to build, they had nothing. Everything that they built was intertwined so deeply together. And that's just not the case anymore. Now we're encouraged to, what, get the college degree first, right? That's the order. Uh, then you get the career down. You become financially stable and all of these other things. You build up your own life. And then you find another person that's fully built up their life. And you try to integrate those things. And it doesn't quite work. Um, and I mean, then you, you can even go back to the masculinity and femininity thing where women are now having to fend for themselves until age 27, 28, 29, and then they get into a relationship and we expect them to be fully feminine. And it's like, dude, she's been taking care of herself for the past 10 years. Like, what do you expect? Right. Um, yeah. And so mm -hmm. I think that's probably the main issue is like, we don't grow up together anymore. Back then commitment came first and then you, the, the infatuation and all of that followed in, in this almost exponential uh, trickle flow that lasts decades. And now it's like this fleeting thing. And you better hope that within that time of infatuation, you build up enough commitment to sustain you. Um, so it's just such a broken model right. for long-term relationship. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'll just leave it at that. It's really like the lack of, the lack of commitment. Like you're right. It does. Commitment does need to come first before you download that dating app, before you even go on a date with someone like you need to ingrained in your head before you go sit down across the table from someone or whatever your first date is like if if i like this i'm committing to this or like if if i like truly sh like see something here i'm committing to this not that i'm gonna go home i'm gonna start swiping on other people or i'm gonna start seeing other people and just like play the game you know like see what turns out like i'll play my cards right like we'll see what happens and like they're they're playing like yeah. all of these games but it's like that's like also like I'm like, how do you like I don't know people think it's like a mind game or something like where they think that they can manipulate and it's like fun and stuff because it turns into gossip and tea and it's like a whole thing. But I'm like, also like you're looking for something like so deep, but you're making it seem so small. This is where I think hookup culture has infiltrated everything. Bingo. And <laughs> this is so when you're dating or you're having a conversation or you're on a date um, and then, as you said, you go home and maybe you're like, eh, I don't know. Who do you really get to know within the first five seconds of meeting them? Um, they could now look, sometimes it just doesn't work, right? You go, you know, immediately, this is not my person and that's okay. No worries. They'll find someone else. You'll find someone else. It'll be okay. But the whole idea that you go home and then you start, you, you know, you continue to swipe the idea that there's something better and also this is such a habitual thing that you do all of the time. So then how are you supposed to distinguish between a meaningful connection and an unmeaningful connection, especially if you're willing to just kind of give everything away for free all the time? You know, so, you know, guys or girls, because this goes both ways, that kind of just extend themselves to whoever's there at any given moment. They've lost the ability to tell the difference between someone who actually means something and someone who doesn't because they give it away for free constantly. And then they wonder why their lives are a train wreck or why every time the relationship doesn't work out, they spiral and they can't handle it. And their brain goes 112 miles an hour and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm panicking. It's because you sabotaged your own, <laughs> your own mental sanity. You kind of gave it all away and you tossed it. And then you what? 
to recover, you get back in the game and you immediately start going back to the exact thing that broke you in the first place. So it's a repetitive, yeah. vicious cycle. So tell us your your take on hookup culture. All right, <laughs> I will do that. So I think something interesting to point out, out about what you just said is you just described an addictive cycle. Um, you know, the, the patent hallmark of an addiction is that whenever you feel kind of the the pitfall of that, you go back to the addiction in order to reach right. another peak and the baseline gets lower and lower and lower. That's what makes an addiction an addiction. And as a result of hookup culture, yep. I promise you there's more 20 to 30 year olds that are sex addicts and don't even know it than there are 20 to 30 year old alcoholics. I promise you that's the case. And I wouldn't disagree yeah, with no, that. It's, yeah. it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, so I would say this to anybody who's still stuck in that game or playing that game, evaluate the effort that you put in to win that game and then the reward you get for all your hard earned work. So let's play the hookup culture game, right? At least as a man, right? Um, these studies that show that women believe what 80% of men are unattractive, those are all done on dating apps. So that's not necessarily the case within the monogamous, monogamous matrimony game, as I like to call it. That's only the case within the hookup culture mm -hmm. game. So first of all, as a man, you have to outwork all those other men to reach that top 20% to become attractive to a woman to even, you know, be able, be eligible to play the game. And then for all your hard earned work doing that, you get what, um, probably a sex addiction. You probably pick up a whole lot of insecurities because you've dehumanized and basically turned yourself into a product. So you're constantly scrutinizing yourself. Um, probably might pick up some diseases or something like there's practical consequences to this stuff. Um, possibly a yeah. child or two out of wedlock, right? These are your rewards for all of your hard earned work. Congratulations. Now let's flip over to, to the monogamous matrimony game. Um, rather than competing to sleep with as many women as humanly possible, you're just trying to find one good woman, one good woman. And you pursue her with everything you got, take her on some dates, spend some money on her, get her some flowers, get to know her family, get to know her and who she is, let her get to know you. And you know, you get a ring, ask her a question and congratulations, you've effectively won a lifetime of happiness, companionship, a future family, you've secured a future for yourself. I think that there's an obvious right. desirable game to play between these two. And I'll, I'll be honest, it's beyond me why we continue to pick the hookup culture game. And don't be, don't be mistaken, I played that game, which is why I'm so heavily opposed to it. And I know why I chose to play as I was trying to prove something. Um, I was trying to prove that I was good enough or that I was enough, period, um, rather than finding that in, in something a little bit more sturdy and foundational and secure, I found that in the chase, the escapade, right? Um, and so I don't know why right. everybody else chooses to play that game, but it's very obvious that as far as just a reward factor for all of your hard-earned effort um, that the monogamous matrimony game is by far a lot more fun to play and a lot more rewarding. Yeah, I, I like Absolutely. that game a lot more. And I love what you said. I also like, I mean, I, as a human, we all make mistakes and I have participated in the hookup culture and I've learned greatly from that. And I know now what I shouldn't be doing. And I think it comes down to people. I saw this on the whatever podcast. I don't know if you guys have heard of this, but it's just basically a bunch of like young kids going off saying nonsensical things. And one of these girls is just like, oh, I had like sex with like three guys this weekend. I have one main character and six side hoes. And it was like an atrocious thing. And I'm like, 
I think that's like it's so sad to me because it's that's so upsetting. <laughs> it's so yeah, it's so broken. But I think it's it comes down to like, do you not? People don't see the value that they should see in themselves, and they give themselves or everyone has access to them. You know, there's like no such thing as like, you know what, I'm holding value to myself. And I think when someone holds value to themselves, like, you know what, like I'm taking this slow. Uh, I want to make sure I want to make sure that this relationship is right. And they have these values um, and they're holding themselves to a standard instead of just, you know, anyone can have this and like, it doesn't even matter. It's, it's there's so much more desirable when someone can hold themselves to a standard. And it's really sad to see these young, especially these young girls. These girls are like 16 and like I've been there, done that. And it's just a really hard lesson to learn. But it is just really sad to see that this culture, they don't think that they're worth anything or like they won't say that. Right. They won't say that it's not because they don't have self-worth. They'll just say because, oh, I don't care. I don't have feelings. I'm not going to catch the feels is what the kids yeah. call it. They're like, oh, I'm not going to catch the feels. I just have, you know, lots of guys are into me and like whatever. Um, and it's just like to them, it's just like sex. And they're like, it's just an action. And it's just so sad because I'm like, it's not, though. And when you realize that, that it's just it's not it's not just sex like it's a, it's not even supposed that's not even what sex is for sex is like to love someone to connect with someone and when you take that away i'm like it's so evil and empty and like you leave I'm, i can promise you like you can hook up with as many people as you want but you will leave that feeling so lonely and so sad versus making like having sex with someone that you actually love it's like a fulfilling moment and you feel so connected to that person it's just like wow i love you so much versus hooking up with someone that you met at a bar, it feels like the most disgusting thing and you feel so shameful. And again, it like hurts your confidence. You have like this low self-esteem because you just did a really shameful thing. And you're like, wow, like I, if I'm going to treat myself like that, like I don't even hold myself to a standard. Like my standard is down here. Someone could just take me home from a bar. Like if that's the standard you're giving to someone else, like you're holding yourself to even lower standards. And it's just, it's really sad. Yeah. I, it really does break my heart, especially from the woman's perspective as well, because as a woman, at least like in my traditional worldview, you're basically like the hidden precious gem waiting to be discovered by the best man possible. That's what you are. And, you know, when when uh, you're constantly put on display for everybody to see and everybody to touch and handle it like, oh, this is so great. And let me just put you back and leave. Well, what happens when that good, awesome man comes along? You don't feel worthy anymore. And I'm not one of those people that believes that like body count equates to worth. I think that's just ridiculous. But the problem is that you internally think that and you feel that. And so how you're able to interact with and engage in intimacy and, and even commitment with that person changes because you've devalued the kind of the precious thing that's inside of you, the most intimate uh, part of you to such a level that you don't think it's worth a lot. And that's the problem. It's not what everybody else or society thinks you're worth. It's no, right. you don't think you're worth a lot. That's the issue. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. And just also to just to tack on another perspective is, you know, I, so I grew up watching, so my parents, best people ever, they, have one of the strongest marriages I've ever seen. I grew up having the privilege of watching that. So because I grew up watching that, because I grew up with two parents who generally, they enjoy each other's company, hanging out with their three kids was fun for them. They never, 
I mean, most of the time when we weren't totally insane, but hanging out with us wasn't a chore. We weren't a job. Their life and just what they built together was fulfilling to them. So when you create that and then you go on, regardless of whether or not you grew up with that, right? You can choose differently for yourself. You choose something like that for yourself. And then what you're able to do is replicate that for your future children. And what you end up with is just this cycle of really healthy, put together young individuals who want to seek something more than what they were given. And what it ends up doing is you can change the tides just by creating strong, healthy, happy families. And it's as simple as finding your person and committing to that person and committing to building a life with them, whatever that may look like. And it's different for every person. You know, everyone has different nuances and personality types. You just got to find the one that jives with yours. But the basic message of what we're all after is the same. And so when you take away that self-worth and that feeling that you're worth something, that takes a really long time to heal on the inside. And you can't even have a relationship until you fix that on the inside. So, you know, tack on a year or two of work to go ahead and backtrack the commitment. You know, you have to recommit to yourself before you can commit to somebody else, get all your priorities and your ducks in a row, and then you're ready. Um, The work is the work is immense, but once you put it in, you're in a much better spot. So I think the last question, I think we want to, we have a couple of followers who had asked a couple questions. So we're going to just hit you with two questions. Oh joy. All right, let's do it. So, um, what practical things can we do to enjoy our single season? So if you are single, what are some practical things that we're doing to enjoy? I love it. So I, after I found the Lord, um, he, he basically told me, I feel him, I felt, felt him tell me during worship service, if you just stay single and just focus on me for two years, I'll turn you into a man worth marrying. So I was like, okay, I guess for two years, I'm going to be single. Um, and there were moments of despair in that, but what gave me such ultimate joy is learning how to, to serve, learning how to be others focused. And the more that you do that, the more you realize that you have a place in this world beyond just enjoying the company of another person. You have a function and something to fulfill. You have a purpose. Like you're, A marriage is such a big part of your life. Yes, absolutely. But that other 60, 70, 30%, however much you want to say, that's what you get to explore when you're single. And you also get to solidify who you mm-hmm. are. Um, and a lot of that, and I do believe that you can work on yourself and you can grow and you be- can become a better person in a relationship that's actually the sign of a good, healthy relationship. But for some reason, at least with me personally, at a young age, um, growth and self-improvement goes 10 times faster when I'm single. I don't know why. Maybe it's just a focus thing. Maybe it's a time thing. Um, yeah, I think yeah, it's a focus Yeah, thing. but I'm able to grow and improve myself so much better. Like throughout that two-year process, if you put that other guy in front of me that I was two and a half years ago now, which is weird, um, I would not recognize him because of just everything that's happened in that time mm-hmm. period. And when I started dating again, I talked to like one or two girls and I was like, okay, God, I'm ready to go back out into the season of singleness right now, right? These people are crazy. Like, can we just go back there and hang out for a little bit? So I promise you, you, you may not necessarily miss that season of your life, but you will always look upon it fondly if you go through it with, um, with some dignity and, and, and with some initiative and some purpose. 
I love that. Yeah, that's that's so true. And honest, be still and know. I feel like it's just it's a season, but I mean, you only have the season for a moment, so it's something that you just have to, you know, really enjoy enjoy it for what it is and take it as just like time to reflect and build and be the person that you're looking for so one last question from our followers how to navigate rejection gracefully um both as the rejected and oh, the man. see i am so glad that i am not a woman for this precise reason <laughs> i i am horrible at rejecting people i hate it it's my least favorite thing in the world to do i would rather be rejected <laughs> 10 times over um, but what I would say, uh, the key, I'll do getting rejected first. The key is just to lean into it and to practice, which sounds just utterly psychotic, right? Um, but especially a lot of the advice that's given to young men right now is advice predicated around not going through emotional pain, not going through disappointment, not facing um, these difficult emotional situations. And my take is like, if there's anything to be reckless about, it's that like recklessly go after and face rejection. And this is something that I've told men is like, don't don't ask out the safe bet. Like if you know that a girl likes you and has a crush on you, unless you think like, oh, this girl is the one, don't ask her out. Ask out the girl that you truly, that for some reason you shouldn't, but you put her on a pedestal and you just think, man, there's no way I could get that girl. Yeah, ask her out. That is who you really need to ask out because what you're doing is you're building up a good rapport with yourself. How the question is, how do you live with yourself if you don't ask out the girl that you've been thinking about all day for four days straight? How do you not do that and then go in the mirror and, and look at yourself in the mirror? Right. Um, so I would say seek it out and practice um, from the reject door side. Um, I would say uh, accept the effort, but reject the person. So maybe honor the effort of, of like. Hey, and this has happened to me like for the first time after the season of singleness, because I used to always play it safe. I got rejected and I was like, I don't like how that feels. I guess I need to do it again. Um, but the person that did it was so incredibly good with it. She was just like, hey, I really appreciate like the effort that you put in and the direct approach and all of that stuff. I'm just not interested. I'm sorry, but I, I know that you're going to have success with that because it's you're doing it the right way. Right. So. Literally, all you have to say is, I'm not interested. You don't have to make an excuse. You don't have to lie. You don't have to try to make them feel better. That is not your job. Your job is to be honest and to bring clarity and to not leave them with hope. Mm. That's your job as the rejector. Um, but you can do that and still say, hey, way to go, man, and, and give them props for their bravery and their courage, mm -hmm. if nothing else. Now, if they asked you out over like Snapchat or something, just block them. Like, I don't even care at that point. Um, but yeah, <laughs> you, you honor the courage yeah. and the bravery, but you reject the person as bluntly as you possibly can. Wow, that, that's incredible advice. And I do think that there, yeah, there's a way to go about rejecting because it does take courage for a man to ask out a woman. Like that's not an easy thing to do, especially in today's society where it's really hard to find a courageous man that's willing to do that. So you have to like tread lightly, but like also, yeah, make it known that like they're not going to get their hopes up. Not that they're going to be thinking direct, about you in a week kind. from now. Yeah, direct but kind. And yeah, this has just been a wealth of information and i'm so glad that we got to do this and i think it's really good for our listeners we've been having people ask us to have a guy on girls gone right because you know we have me and rachel just like bouncing our ideas off of each other and it's fabulous but to have a guy like come on here and give 
that side share a of different the, perspective. It's a different yeah, lens. It's, it's, it's a different so insightful. view. Yeah. I mean, we, I mean, contrary to what society thinks, men and women are different and we think differently. We have different, you know, sets of emotions. So I think it's like really interesting to have a guy come on here and talk about what it's like to date traditionally and like how to find that, how to navigate that in today's society, because we know it's like really hard to date in 2023. So this is just... <laughs> It's been absolutely incredible and a wealth of information. And I think that it will help our listeners navigate their mm-hmm. dating life. Um, and it will definitely navigate help. the oh, single yeah. season. Absolutely. We yeah. got and this. Thank you guys so much for having me on yeah. this. I thoroughly enjoyed this. This was great. Yeah. Oh, thank well, you so much. That you're fun. We did too. Yeah. Thank you so much. And thank you guys for listening to girls gone. Right.